Good morning. Let's uh, read God word, God's word this morning, and I'm going to ask you to rise. We're going to be a little high churchy today and, and stand up for the reading of God's word. Let me just say a word about God's word, a word about the word. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own one, and you're interested in reading one, um, this is the first time that you may be invited to steal something. We have these pew Bibles. They're not that expensive. If you want to buy one, you can get one back in the bookstore. But if you don't have the money and you really, really want one, just take it, okay? Just take it. I'll, I'll give you mine. I'll pay for it. But everyone should have a copy of the, of the Lord's Word. If you don't, that, there's an offer for you. Can't get better than that. We're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to start in the 18th chapter and the 21st verse. And this is in the ESV version. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter had the best questions. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Would you remain standing, please? Cut, I caught most of you there. We're going to pray for John C. Would you extend a hand and we'll pray for this young man. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your word this morning as having come from you. And your servant is one uh, whose challenge and whose call this morning is to make it make sense to us at the guidance of your spirit. And so we pray your blessing upon John C. We thank you for the spirit you put on him. We thank you for uh, his courage, for his earnestness in following you. We thank you for the love that he shows for the body of Christ and for your word. We pray that uh, you would speak through him this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Do it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So um, I get to serve as community pastor here at Door of Hope. Very excited to hang out with you guys today. Um, 
Throughout this summer, we've been making our way through the uh, parables. So I'm picking up, picking up the baton from Zion. So we'll start out like this. So we have the Tsar Nicholas I. He's walking through this camp. His country's at war. It's at night. He's making his way through the tents, checking on his army, and he sees a light in a tent. He's intrigued. He walks in. Now, this tent is where they keep the money. And there's this young man that has a bottle of vodka, a gun, and a letter, which is never a good mix, <laughs> and he's passed out. The czar recognizes the young man as a son of one of his noblemen. He walks up and reads this letter, and in the letter, he sees that this young man had created a great debt. This man saw no way out, so he wrote, who can pay so great a debt? The czar, moved with compassion, writes his name, Tsar Nicholas I. Is that not the gospel? Parables are short stories with loud truths. Different members of our pastoral staff have had the opportunity to share a parable. And I think what's really important as we come up here is to understand that these worship songs and these sermons are for ourselves. Like, so we want to edify you guys, hopefully show you the love of Christ and all that we do. But there are these moments where, let's say, Zion or Josh will share something that cuts me to the core. This parable, the unforgiving servant, seen in Matthew 18, 21 through 35, is a hard one to give. So the takeaway is the tension of forgiveness and our desperate need of Jesus. I'll say it one more time. The tension of forgiveness, is it an act or a process, and my desperate need for the Savior in my life? Because I cannot start with you guys talking about, well, you guys need Jesus and to forgive. I need to understand that I saw the light when I saw my king. Does that make sense? So forgiveness, is it an act or is it a process? Yes. Do we need Jesus? Well, at least for me, I know I do. And if you guys bleed red, being human, I know that you guys need Jesus as well. So shout out, exactly, right? Verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times, or 490. So a lot of the parables, these short stories with loud truths, they're starting off with a question. And sometimes it's a test or it's a trap. Some of you may picture Admiral Akbar in episode six of Star Wars saying, it's a trap. And it's like, I'm kind of a nerd, here we are. But <laughs> this is not that parable. What's actually happening is Peter, the rock, who's going to end up cutting off a guy's ear and denying Christ. I, I bring this up because we are mixture. At one moment, Peter is doing something incredible. In another moment, it's like, Peter, what'd you be doing? So Peter is asking what is the limit of forgiveness? 
what is the limit of forgiveness? It is not the idea if you count up to, let's say, 489 times, and then the 490, you can wallop the guy. Verse 23. So Christ responds further. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. We'll stop the car really fast, hop out. $3.48 billion. It's a lot of money. And since he could not pay, the master ordered him to be sold with all his wife, children, and all that he had, and, it, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity or compassion, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. It's kind of wild, because there's no way that the young man or this person could ever pay off that debt. But he's grasping at straws, he's in despair, he's in a situation where, at that time, culturally, if you were rightly, keyword, rightly owed something, you got the cow, the car, everybody in the club that was associated with you was going to help pay off that debt. This king is rightly owed. Mercy. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to punish or harm. So you have this person who owes a great debt. They're screwed, for lack of a better word, right? The king is moved with compassion, as we see in the story about the czar. And it's wild. Could you imagine being the servants in there, seeing, like, okay, you're looking at the accounts, and like, oh, that's not good. Then you bring the guy in, and the king is like, where's my money? It's like some Rihanna song, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but the king is rightly owed, and he needs his money now. And the man cannot pay. And then the king's moved with compassion, and he's free to go. So you would think, wow, this must change this guy's life. Verse 28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Stop the car again. $5,800. Seizing him, he began to choke him, paying, er, saying, pay what you owe. Verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. It's so wild because we get an opportunity to see what the gospel is. This guy's forgiven of so much, and then he throws it away. And it's kind of like, what is this guy? Like, it, it's, it just doesn't make sense, right? So what hit me, what made this parable so hard to unpack is, guys, I struggle with being the unforgiving servant. I just do. I have an issue. That issue is I'm a sinner. I'm a wretch. Uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all guilty of a great debt that we cannot pay. But here's the solution. Here's the gospel. 
Isaiah 1:18. Come, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be like wool. Like the old hymn, whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. It's the fact of we are in the red and he makes us pure again. He has that power. Ephesians 1.7, in him, in who? In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Though his for, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his riches of his grace. And we'll finish up with Isaiah 55.7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts, not your thoughts. So for the person who feels like they're too broken, too sinful to be saved, God has you. For the Christian who's struggling with that one sin that they can't get over, God has you. Because Isaiah 45 has this dope verse where he says, I am God and there is no other. Who is like me? And it's the same intensity that we see in that passage that is in Isaiah 55, which allows him to forgive so great a debt. Because God does not write checks that bounce. It's not possible. It's not what he does. There's hope because he paid this debt. But he paid this debt through his blood on the cross. Something to hold on to, though, is in this parable, both the king and the servant is rightly owed. Both the king and the servant is rightly owed. We're talking about forgiveness today, right? And we, we're establishing that it's not just an act, but it is a process. It's yes to both. But we've all been hurt in different ways. And my heart is not to say, well, you know, you may have been hurt and you just forgive. But it's like, there's been times, guys, where we've been wronged. And it's cut us deeply. Verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, or some translations, the torturers, until he should pay all the debt. I remember um, watching VeggieTales, I'm not sure if you guys watched that. It's, it's a winner. But there's a uh, King George and the Ducky. Uh, I won't bore you with the details, but here we are. But there's this uh, story of this duck that means a lot to this one person. And this other king, I think it's Larry, has lots of ducks, you know. And then I think he takes, he, like, he has the one character off or something so he can get the one ducky. And then the prophet Nathan in that story which we also see in the Bible, tells the same story about the sheep. And the king was so outraged, and as a small black child in East Central Illinois, shout out, uh, 
I was outraged as well because I'm like, he has plenty of duckies. He just does. And he took the one ducky. But then, how this connects here, why is it that we have such, such a sense of justice? When we see something is wrong, we have to say something. We live in a country that is obsessed with justice. We live in a city that is obsessed with justice. We are a people as Christians who are struggling with how do we keep our eyes on Christ but still maintain justice. We have, as a culture, an unquenchable thirst for justice. But my point is simply this. We must be known as a people of mercy because we've been forgiven of so much rather than be known as people of justice because justice is not ours to have, it's his. And that's unpopular to hold to. But if you truly understand what Christ did for us, what, well, at least for me, in my case, the great debt I had, like before that I had to pay off, right? that Christ forgave, then I would actually be a little bit more careful about shouting for justice, because justice sounds great for the guy over there, but when it's towards me, I'm like, hold on. Let's talk about, let's be reasonable. I mean, it's a great debt, I can work it off. I'm like, no, you cannot. Verse 35. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I don't want to skip over this point, If you choose not to forgive, you are opening yourself up to destruction. Because forgiveness is the very air we breathe as Christians. The terms and conditions of forgiveness is to forgive. If you are truly forgiven by God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost, or maybe if that's too charismatic, the Holy Spirit, then you will forgive. Why this is so raw for me is, so a lot of you guys know that I teach at Ecola Bible College. Um, I've been teaching there four straight years. Hey. <laughs> but uh, four straight years. I went there as a student about 10 to 11 years ago. I was at a very different place in my life, thought going to movie theaters was a sin. True story. King James only. That's how I was raised. And... Um, I had heard the term grace, but I'd never tasted it, never had it explained in a practical way. So uh, the school changed my life, like got some of my best friends, learned so much. And so I did a first year there, and uh, God enabled me to go a second year to Equal Bible College. So my parents, who do love Jesus, me and my parents are not close. We have very different worldviews, right? So when I informed my adopted dad, once again, I was adopted when I was nine years old. I came to live with the Hughes when I was six years old. Spent the first nine years of my life in foster care. When I informed my dad that I was doing second year of Bible college, he was very upset and sent me this six reasons why you're not a man and why you're not ready to be an adult. Which, it's been 10, 11 years, and it still cuts, right? And to be honest with you guys, there are some days where I struggle with forgiveness. And as a Christian, 
it's wild because as a Christian, you're supposed to forgive. And as a good Baptist kid, I'm like, well, I prayed the prayer to forgive him, and I shouldn't, it shouldn't hurt so much anymore, right? But then you go through life, you keep going, and there's certain days where it hurts more, and it's like, oh, wait, forgiveness is a process. I think sometimes when we talk about uh, parables or God's word, we leave it in a black and white kind of frame of mind when it needs to be in the real world. So I am not sharing the idea of forgiveness, and whether it's a process or an act, from a position of, well, I have it mastered. No, guys, this is something I struggle with all the time. Because here's someone that took me into his home, I, like, had to do kindergarten again, like, I was a mess, right? Gave me this incredible life, but then still has hurt me in deep ways. Yet is still loved by God immaculately. Give, like, all the grace and the incredible things that I've been given as a son of God is given to this person who's hurt me in a great way. And most people would say, having, let's say, a parent say that is a bit heavy-handed, like a little bit too cutting, so I was wronged in that but I've wronged God even more. So why parables? Why couldn't Jesus just say, well, forgiveness has no limit. It is an act or is it a process. Well, it's this. Christ's enemies often understand exactly what his parables mean. The problem is their refusal to trust his teaching about himself and God's kingdom. Parables make things of God more plain and easy, to those who are willing to be taught, and at the same time, more difficult and obscure to those who are willfully ignorant. He's telling a truth about himself, and those who truly understand the scope of his work will get it. Guys, this is a hard word, because I can read this parable to you guys and be like, well, let's take a truth away, but then it cuts into me because it means that I have to forgive. So for the next 30 years, as I work through this thing called life, I will have to choose to forgive because I've been forgiven. So I can read this parable and be like, that sounds good. But then someone whispers to me and says, oh, John C. applies to you. Then I'm like, barely understand what it means. What a waste of time. This guy, he never says anything straight. But for those who understand what he did at the cross, you can read this parable in the presence of community and through prayer and understand, oh, this goes to me. Some questions. Who do we need to forgive? I cannot answer that question for you guys. Your guys' story is a privilege, and, but not a right for me to hear. It's a privilege for us staff to hear your guys' stories and do life with you guys. It is not a right. How are we... How are we able to forgive? I'll be nice. I'll give the answer. It's not of ourselves. I wish I could tell you guys that me in my position, getting to serve here at Door of Hope, it's within my ability to forgive my dad. No, it is not. If I were to claim that my flesh has the ability to forgive my adopted dad, then I'd be lying to you. And it would also show that I do not have a full understanding of what Jesus did at the cross. Because when Christ died to cover my sins, he did not need any help. Uh, picture like Superman stopping a train, 
and then like an ant coming up to help out. You know what I mean? I mean, like it, the ant's there, but it's not doing a lot. <laughs> so Ephesians um, 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strengthened and comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or to think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, goodness, throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You really try this water thing. Catch on. Oh, oh that's uh, verse 18. I'm going to go into it a little bit deeper. So if we dwell on what Christ did at the cross, it will make it hard not to forgive. Verse 18. I'll read it again. May have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth. We daily remind ourselves of what Christ did at the cross. Forgiveness allows us to have relationships with each other again. But due to some circumstances, trust may never be had again. I, wanted, I threw this in here because I'm not sure what your guys' stories are, but I know that a lot of people have been abused in uh, different forms. And it's very easy as Christians to go, well, you know, you have to forgive this person and you move along. But as we keep repeating... It's a act, and it is a process. It is not my heart to tell you, those who've been abused, who's struggling with forgiving, that you, before you walk out those doors, you must forgive. And also, like, I'll tell you that you have, you need to forgive, but it's a process and it may take time. But trust can be denied. So it does not mean that you need to put yourself in that situation again. And I think sometimes we just don't, we, we leave it in a black and white way. So it's just like, well, you just do this, and then you go back to singing Kumbaya. Where it's like, oh, no, like, trust can be denied, but forgiveness has to be given. But it will be given at the time that it happens, as you, like, work with Jesus. Because it's not of ourselves. The same blood that covers sins, the same blood that covers sins, heals wounds. So I am not wanting those who've had these deep wounds, these cuts, that have not healed or are in the process of healing, just to be like, well, John C. says, just forgive and the blood covers that. I'm like, yes, but it will also heal wounds. The more I focus on what Christ did for me, the more my wounds are healed, the more I'm able to forgive someone who's hurt me. It's an entire process. 
Christ is the great equalizer. I'm no better than anyone else. I struggle with forgiveness. But it's through the eyes of Christ we're able to see the person who hurt us, not just as a human, but as a human who's loved by God and liked. The, I'm trying to think of the song. It's the, um, in, I think it's in Christ Alone, Our Hope is Found. I, there's this line where it goes, ashamed to hear my mocking voice cry out amongst the scoffers. So I can focus on what my dad did to me, which was sin, yet it's still my voice that put Christ on that cross. It's my voice. So it's not something where I can hide behind, well, that happened 2,000 years ago. Like, I am a part of the problem. So do we daily steep, for those who drink tea, you know, do we daily steep on what Christ did at the cross? Because if we do, it would make it pretty hard not to forgive. So questions, who do I need to forgive? Can't answer that one for you. How do we forgive? It's not of ourselves. We went into uh, Ephesians 3.18, the fact of it has to be of the Holy Spirit. It has to be of Christ working in us. And the powerful thing with parables and the fun thing with the Gospel of John that uh, Ian, which you guys should come back at night to listen to him uh, preach tonight. Throughout the Gospel of John, Christ is putting out like, okay, he'll do this sign and then you can either accept it or reject it. There, you can't be lukewarm about Jesus. There's not, not really space for that. Ephesians 3.18 can either be a millstone or it can be the yoke that is easy. It can be a millstone or it can be a yoke that is easy. And for me, if I'm being honest with you guys, some days it's a yoke that is easy. And other days it's a millstone around my neck. But that does not change what Christ did. Final question. Do we trust Christ with this? Yes, you were wronged. No one is denying that. The servant in the story was owed $5,300. Or 100 denarii. And I'm not sure what your guys' bank accounts are. That's not my uh, business to know. But for a lot, at least for me, $5,000 would be real nice. So, so if uh, my buddy Kyle owed me $5,000, <laughs> I think I would be a little bit more like, like Stewie and Brian, like, where's my money? Like, I really need it, you know? But, uh, but if Kyle goes, but weren't you just forgave a $3.4 billion? Be pretty wild. You know, it'd be like, oh, maybe you don't understand the scope of what you've been forgiven. And I could still be like, but where's my money? We forgive because we've been forgiven. The terms and conditions of forgiveness is simply this. We forgive. When we understand what our king did at the cross, 
that we have the Holy Spirit within us that allows us to have the ability to forgive, then we have to forgive. There's no way around it. Even though for some of you guys, it, this could be very frustrating and bad news. That is not my heart, but I have to tell the truth. We have to forgive. But understand that God has grace for us all amongst the process. I think sometimes when we talk about scripture, and we think about like, let's say the nation of Israel, and then um, let's say the gospels, like we don't understand that God is not surprised when we mess up. I know, right? Like he's not surprised when we fall short. He has grace for us amongst it. If he didn't, if we did not fall short, we would not need him, but here we are. So I'm going to close up with this little uh, quote by G.K. Chesterton. He's a gangster, guys. If you ever have some time to blow, read G.K. Oh, so good. Because children have a abounding vitality, because they are in spirit, fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They will always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. Is it possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon? It may be that the automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike, it may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he is eternal, has an eternal appetite for empathy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Why do I read that? God does not get tired of forgiving. He just doesn't. He doesn't write checks that bounce, so he, it's an act that happened at the cross, and actually, which, which blows my mind, but then it's him forgiving us every single day. He will never, ever, ever, ever get tired of forgiving me or you. But that also means the terms and conditions of forgiveness is I have to forgive someone who's hurt me. So as you guys go away, I want you guys to know that there's grace for the struggle. Because it's within the darkness of the pain of living life in a fallen world where hurt people hurt people, we can see the light of the sun. I'm going to close this in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for Door of Hope. Thank you that we're not a perfect church, <laughs> but it's just we're real people can just be raw and just um, do life together. I pray that um, we can, as a church, just dive in even fuller of what does it mean to live in you. I pray that you will change my heart and my eyes so I can better uh, show your love and show forgiveness. And I pray for those who... Um, I never heard the gospel before that uh, they'd feel led to join your, our, our family. And also I pray that for those who've been hurt in deep ways, that they know that they are not alone. They are loved, liked. There's a steadfast love that you have towards them, but also that the process of forgiveness is one that has to start in you and that you will not give up on them. Amen. Hey friends, this is Russ Lacey, one of the pastors here at Door of Hope Southeast. Thanks for listening to this teaching. 
We always want to encourage you to give to your local church and would never want to supplant that. But if you're a regular listener and would like to help our church as we seek to point people to Jesus and minister here in the city of Portland, we'd welcome your prayers and financial support. Just head over to doorofhopepdx.org and click Give from the menu bar. May God bless you.